Good morning, muddy companions. I got it. We're going to be recorded. Everybody ready? <laughs> Go. Uh, so good to see you all here this morning. We're going to have some some fun, hopefully. Uh, the other day, I, I was on the phone with um, uh, a mighty companion, and uh, we we started chatting about uh, uh, the what ifs. And uh, so she started making a list of the what ifs, and and that was that was kind of fun to read those. And then I started my list of what ifs, and. Um, I, I find uh, it, it, it's like the, the what ifs are um, uh, like if you only knew, you know, but what if for a moment you were willing, for example, uh, to just um, for a moment entertain a particular um, idea or a particular uh, truth that that you might want to make real for yourself. You know, something that, well, what it, well, if that were really true, you know, what, what would my life be like? And, you know, the old, the old adage always was, um, you know, you will, um, you'll, you'll, um, when you believe it, you'll see it. And so we've, we've used that, we, we see the world, we believe it, right? And that's how we we have gone through our our living in the in the dream up until, of course, a miracle comes in, and it says, "Okay, you can flip this, you know, you can flip this to when you believe it, you'll see it. When you believe it, uh, for for example, uh, one of them that came up for me was, well, if you knew there was nothing to fear." Well, let me, let me, you know, live into that for a moment and see how I would go through my day. What if that, what if I made that real for myself, you know, just by entertaining the thought? Because everything is thought, you know. So what if, what if uh, there really is nothing to, to fear? And I go out the door and I go out with that thought and I carry that thought with me throughout the day. Or, you know, ultimately up to uh, what if there, what if there is no death? What if there's no such thing? What if I made it up? And then, of course, we came to the great big one. <laughs> what if I knew this was all a hallucination? Which it is. And it was interesting in lesson 319, which we're going to look at, 319 and 320, you know, he says, all arrogance falls away when you, you know you're the, the savior of the world. You know, you say, save the world by not believing that it can do anything, by believing, in other words, the world can do nothing to me. It's all a reflection of the, the, the dream of um, victims and victimizers. But what if that was just a dream, you know? And, and we're here playing that dream out over and over and over and over and over again. 
And, you know, how I look at um, the idea of being truly helpful, which you all know, the, the, the book in progress is how to be truly helpful in a hopeless world. Well, obviously, we save it <laughs> through our forgiveness and uh, through our uh, believing these what-ifs of, you know, living into what we truly are and what we've decided we truly want to be. You know, how do I want to be here in the world? How do I want to show up? What do I want to make real for myself? What is going to give meaning to a world in, in which there is no meaning out there? <laughs> and everybody is just struggling under the burden of trying to make either themselves and their personhood real and important, or the world and everything in it important, and it goes nowhere. We know that it goes nowhere. It's just endlessly spinning that original thought, the tiny mad idea that um, we could be somewhere other than in the mind and heart of God. Just a thought, you know, an insane thought. What if? What if we were only in the mind of God and we couldn't be anywhere else today, now, this moment? Oris. This is such an inspiration. I'm so glad you're sharing this. I was thinking, what, what, what if I put the words what if in front of every lesson? Like today, what if my father gives all power to me? What if I had all the power? Yep. Thank you. That's going to be something I'll do. Uh, Tim and I were walking in the park yesterday, and we were putting "what if" in front of lessons and and flinging them back and forth. You know, what if? What if? What if? Well, why not? What if? You know. <laughs> so, making the whole thing more playful. Oh, absolutely. You move into fantasy, you know, but it's not fantasy. You know, my mind holds only what I think with God. That's not fantasy. That's true. That's reality. You know? And it's a, you know, a fun, fun, playful way. So, uh, you know, I, I look at joyfully, happily, eagerly our truly helpful class that we have or our class, it's not, it's, it's um, learners coming together. Here we are, we're all, we're all learners here. And um, the idea that um, by, by living into being truly helpful and forgiveness being our only function here, the only thing that makes any difference that's going to be helpful. And uh, uh, walking through this world in a, in a forgiving state of mind, an open mind. What if, 
this were a hallucination. What if my mind holds only what I think with God? Um, and in, um, it, it, you know, it, it's a way that we could help ourselves to um, fall into greatness, falling into greatness, you know, that, that the truth is uh, we find our greatness in humility in giving up all those things that are contrary to uh, what if what if there was nothing to fear and I hold fear up as who and what I am then that is arrogance and all all the um, insistence on being weak and vulnerable and helpless and all, all the ways we make ourselves victims all of those would be fall into the category of arrogance and um, the end of arrogance he says in in lesson i think i've got it right 319 uh, the end of arrogance is that you save the world <laughs> stop using the externals whether it be an event a situation a circumstance but it's almost always with a brother. What if we stopped using our brothers as a means of our own suffering so we can stay imprisoned in the idea that the world is real and it does something to me. It has power uh, over me. So um, Before we go into, into um, those lessons, um, I, yeah, I wanted to share this with you. I, I, um, I see our, our, our classes are coming together under the umbrella idea that we're all here to learn from a different teacher what it means to be truly helpful because we're, we're not truly helpful without the help of the Holy Spirit. We're not truly helpful without uh, Him being uh, the one to teach us what can be seen in place of um, all of the, the toys of terror in one place. I love that idea. The toys of terror that we put out there and then we make them real and then they show up. But so what could be seen in place of, um, of the toys of terror if I'm practicing forgiveness, the Holy Spirit is my teacher, my mind is opening to possibilities instead of looking for circumstances that justify my imprisonment in the world because we certainly can walk out of this world anytime we want to it's not holding us here but our certainly our problems our grievances um the sins we think we've committed or others have committed guilt bottom line guilt is what's keeping us here and we're just in a constant exchange of where that guilt is. Mostly we want to get rid of it and put it in someone else. Um, but there are times when we put the guilt in ourselves, but it's still the belief 
in guilt and is still a belief that I'm a body and my brothers are bodies and we are stuck here and we're not, we're, we're sticking ourselves here, but we're not stuck here. How, how do you find joy in a joyless place? <laughs> I always love that one <laughs> by realizing you're not there. And you live as a mind and you've decided that there's another way and uh, what ifs are some of our, uh, our cues that we can, can play with. Um, so I, I look at our class here somewhat as the laboratory in putting together a book that um, is going to be truly helpful representing individuals who are deeply engaged in learning to be truly helpful. And so in our lab, if ideas come to you, I don't remember what I say most of the time. So <laughs> if there's an idea that rings true for you, they say, well, that, that would be an excellent, excellent way to um, help someone who's maybe very new coming to the course but their minds are beginning to um, shake awake and uh, they are looking for another way and um, it could gently be presented to them clearly, authoritatively, with certainty, but could be presented in a way that they could um, become interested in the idea of true forgiveness, interested in um, learning a way that they could be in the world and not be overcome, but be uh, enlightened. <laughs> enlightened, I mean, I mean, in the sense of they could use they could use the dream like we are to awaken ourselves to our true uh, true power and glory that they could have a way to live into something that's meaningful as opposed to um, the same old looking, looking at what isn't real and then trying to fix it. You know, we can't fix what isn't real. Can't be fixed. What isn't real can't be fixed is not there. And what's real doesn't need fixing. Obviously, the truth is true and, and nothing else is true and that doesn't need any fixing. So, you know, we, we get the opportunity to play, in a sense, with the truth, play at the truth, play at um, finding that we're true, that we are true, that we are the truth. And we're just bringer, bringers of that light and of course the requirement is that we do nothing <laughs> do nothing but be true <laughs> so um let me see here so thanks for being in uh in the lab here <laughs> and <laughs> you know I, I appreciate any of your your thoughts or comments that that um you know move, move you um, as we as we go through this, I think I should read you a few more of the what ifs. Though I think they were really, really wonderful. Uh, and, and just think of them for a moment as they wash through your mind, Stephen. Uh, 
Yeah, it's scary for me to say this, but I, I said I said in a class one time that Course in Miracles uh, students are brave, and uh, I'm I'm certain that that's true. And uh, um, anyway, I was uh, I was with a 30 year um, course student uh, one day, um, and she said to me, "What if it's not true?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And she said, "What if the course is not true?" And it flipped me. And just now I was going over that and I thought about uh, characteristics of God's teachers, open-mindedness, defenselessness, tolerance, faith, channelness, honesty, and trust, a couple more. Uh, and uh, I, I brought it up today because I think we have to look at all sides. And I came to the conclusion that the truth is true, and this is the only thing that's true. Um, but it gave me something to think about because when I look at the whole world, uh, almost all of us in this world, um, they don't think this is true. <laughs> so it's good for me to look at whatever comes up. So uh, I'll pose this to the class. What if this isn't true, this course of miracles? Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. I, I don't know. To me, to, to me, it sounds like a a mind. You know what? We could get into it and just just chew that bone, and we could just chew that bone. <laughs> and you know, in, instead, I I will take experience, my own direct experience. Experience. Exactly. Yes. And that's what every one of you would take. It's like uh, it's a moot point. I, I use it. I practice it, and it has brought me to an understanding that I'm not what I thought it was, and and I'm I'm happy about that because <laughs> what I thought it was was a piece of work. <laughs> it was not bringing me any happiness at all. So, you know, when we say the world goes, you know, the, the forgiveness, the, the, um, the victimizers that I find in the world to keep me here, and I realize that I'm just keeping myself in prison uh, by using my brother in, a, in an improper way. And Jesus says, when you, you know, this course is, um, has a different um, method of awakening. And that method is to see that you and, you and your brother are the same one. And um, to awaken from the dream of separation. And the only thing that unifies you and your brother is the Holy Spirit. So you better invite the Holy Spirit into that encounter, that in relationship, that situation. And the Holy Spirit will show you that you and your brother are the same one. If, if you're willing, if I'm willing for that encounter to be, um, I've always loved the statement, we're equal as learners. I'm a learner in the encounter. My brother's a learner in the encounter. No matter what, we're both learners. And it, you know, so in that situation, uh, it's up to me to invite the Holy Spirit because if my brother doesn't know 
and I invite the Holy Spirit to be there in that relationship and show me the meaning of what I behold. Show me the meaning of this encounter. Show me, you know, what I need to see that I haven't seen yet. What, what if there's nothing between my brother and I? What if there are no toys of terror that I've put out in front of me between my brother and myself? And, and so we're here as learners. And I think uh, Kathy Jones is going to straighten Stephen out. So uh, I'm curious <laughs> how that's going to go. <laughs> just for me, it's just like whatever <laughs> resonates with me. And if it resonates with you, then, you know, study it. And I know for me, you know, I've, I've come to points uh, throughout the years where, you know, I would get a little fear and say, what if it's not true? And then I'd ask Jesus, though, and inevitably within the answer is always there for me. And uh, but I'd say, however, each individual that speaks to you, man, go for it. If the dress fits, buy it. If it doesn't, you know, so that's just the way I see it. But thank you for bringing that up, Stephen, and thank you, Lynn. Yeah. I think Dave Van Dyke had something, but I'm not sure. No, no. Dave <laughs> says <it>. no. <laughs> and I thought David Delaplane had something. <laughs> David, did you? Okay, all right. Did all right. Lisa have something, or she was just chuckling? <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, I mean, just agreeing with the whole experience thing. I mean, that's what I found. So. Yeah. Dave got so excited he turned himself off. <laughs> <laughs> now Dave has something to say. Yeah, no, I, I got flustered. I, I was thinking about Stephen in a dress when, when Kathy Jones was saying, <laughs> if the dress fits. Anyway, anyway. No, no, um, aside and apart from that, um, the, uh, uh, the, the ego can can really give us some logical tricks to turn to try to turn truth over um, and but I have to go back to what uh, Kathy and, and Lisa were saying is that that experience of certainty but when we have that is really undeniable um, and if you if you allow your mind to rest in that certainty it will slowly you know, um, push those those logical um, conundrums out of your mind, um, and and that's really what we're looking for is the certainty. Uh, the, uh, yeah. the, the the certainty will will um, overpower or prove itself true, uh, whereas uh, the logical toys of the ego will just chase themselves around in circles and never resolve themselves. That's been my experience. Yeah. 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 Well, the world that we're living into is the world that comes from a mind that rests in God, a mind within the mind of God. So, I mean, nobody can argue with that because we're not looking at form. We're not looking at the external world of form. It, it's, uh, you know, my experience is the only thing that means anything at all. So, you know, if somebody doesn't believe it, that's, that's fine. It doesn't change my experience of, of the real world. Yeah, David. Way, way back when I went to uh, 
one of the radical Jesuit priests and you know he, he refused to wear a collar and much less anything else and uh, he uh, he was talking about the Bible and how the stories were and this was in the early 70s the stories were they were pretty clear they were mostly made up all the way through the Bible but they represented um, truths religious truths spiritual truths and 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 his take was, I don't care if they're made up, it's the way I would want it to be anyway. And yeah. I think that's the way, when I came across the course, yeah. it's like, even if this is made up, this is the way I think it should be. <laughs> like, like if I were God, <laughs> I, might, I might set this up this way. <laughs> and so that's always helped me a lot, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and to your point, the lesson today my father has given me all the power unto me you know it's the power of our mind to live in a different world in a different way and we we make it real i, I was surprised how often jesus uses the word manifest but he said you manifest these things for yourself i mean it's it's a, a different kind of manifestation but if you if we're not say the one I've been using a lot lately because everybody can relate to it when I want to see only love I will see only love it's you know Jesus says if that's what you want look within first decide who are you what are you representing here what are you here for and then okay that's how I want to live my life I want to get up in the morning and I want to be into that right away, you know, before the, you know, who starts, you know. <laughs> Arise, Arise is waving. <laughs> Arise. You're on mute, yeah. Back to the game we're playing. What if we are all one with Helen and with Jesus, and we all came to a point in our life where we said there's got to be a way, but another way. What if we are all receiving that message now, and there's no past? Nice, nice worries. Thanks. And what if we're not? It's the way I would want it to be anyway. <laughs> so there, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, boys. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, on that note, let's go to. I lesson. think Jean uh, was oh. waving when I was interrupting. <laughs> Where is Jean? There she is, Jean. Morning. Um, you know, Stephen, that question, you know, it came from someone, as you said, with 30 years. And that question came from thought. Now, from what I understand, and of course, the holy instant is my only reference to truth. There is no thought in truth. But the holy instant can give me this reflection because it can. So. It was a question that person, you know, struggled with, I bet. You know, it comes from a place. Because truth, and, and I can't even grasp what that is, truth without thought. Because it came from a thought. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's all. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jean. Anyone else before we go to Lesson 319? Myra. Yeah, hi. I was thinking of the introduction to the workbook, where Jesus says, you know, this might be quite startling for you, <laughs> you know, 
yeah. you don't have to judge it. You don't have to analyze it. I'm only asking you, use it. And his last sentence is, it is their use that will give them meaning to you. Sure. And will show you that they are true. He yeah. answered that question already. Yeah. yeah. In the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all our answers are right there in that one thing. And, and then the questioning, the questioning ends. I have no questions. You know, there aren't any questions. It's certainty. So, yeah, hallelujah. Thanks. Thanks, Myra. All right. Who would please read Lesson 319? And... Um, make a comment if if you uh, would like to do that. Myra, since you're, have you got your book right there, Myra? Yes, but I'm looking for the page. It's page 460. Okay. I came for the salvation of the world. Here is a thought from which all arrogance has been removed and only truth remains, for arrogance opposes truth. But when there is no arrogance, the truth will come immediately and fill up the space the ego left unoccupied by lies. Only the ego can be limited, and therefore it must seek for aims which are curtailed and limiting. The ego thinks that what one gains, totality must lose. <laughs> and yet, it is the will of God I learn that what one gains is given to all. Father, your will is total, and the goal which stems from it shares its totality. What aim but the salvation of the world could you have given me? And what but this could be the will myself has shared with you? Yeah. He contrasts there um, what the ego is always wanting. I like that the ego left some space uh, unoccupied. Very good. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a little space somewhere there in my mind. So hey, 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 the ego's not there. I can go that now with the tree. Come on, Holy Spirit, let's go. <laughs> The ego, the ego left the space empty. That's great. Wow. <laughs> well, on your ch on your chart that you did, which is on my wall to my left, I'm not going to take it down because it's double double tape behind it. But the ego is nowhere. Nowhere. Wow. And I would add, and nothing. And nothing. And yeah. it's nowhere and nothing, and it never was. Yeah. It's. Totally a phantom <laughs> that we need to stop believing in, you know, but, and we have to see it when it arises. That's the, you know, that's the part that we want to avoid, but it's necessary that we see the ego in ourselves when it's operating. You know, when I am not open-minded, Boy, I, do I know it. <laughs> I mean, do I know it. Everything seizes up, you know. And that feeling of just wanting to be the knower. The knower. I know. 
that's not a learner. <laughs> that is not a learner to go through our day having to be a knower about who I am, what I am, what I do, and thinking I also know what my brother's thinking and I know what he's thinking and planning and I know what his motivations are and that he's the one that needs to be fixed and changed. <laughs> and I just realize how limiting that is, how painful it is, how contracted it is. And I want to stop, you know, I want to stop. What if, what if, what if, what if there was nothing between me and my brother, nothing. Ah, the Holy Spirit can teach me. He can teach us together. Ah, how joyous. How joyous. Ah, uh, 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 how joyous. I, um, I think it was interesting. There was a set line here. Um, when there's no arrogance, in other words, when I'm completely defenseless, or just let's say defenseless. I mean, defenselessness is complete. It is total. And when I'm defenseless, the truth will come immediately. And when my mind is closed and I'm defending myself with something that I think I know <laughs> about me or my brother, it all closes down. Oh, thank you. Any anyone else have comments on this lesson? Well, something else that Ken Wapnick in his comments over both of these lessons, 319 and 320, he gave the warning that watch out, the ego's gonna try and grab hold of it and say it's the ego that's come for the salvation. And then the next lesson also, it's the ego that wants to usurp all the power. And yeah. very good, very good comments from Ken on these lessons in his journey through the workbook. Very oh, good. good, good. Okay, yeah. thanks for putting that out, Mother. Anyone else have any comment before we move? Yes, um, this is Melissa. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yes, yes, Melissa. Where Thank are you? you. Um, okay. I'm, you know, I'm actually feeling a little grief right now so I'm grateful to be in your all company um what came up for me as I was listening to the gentleman who said well what if the course is not real um is in essence I, and I'm very new I was wondering you know isn't that kind of what the course helps us learn is that our minds, you know, fabricate things and for us, for us to have a very open view of things and trust in God, I, I don't know if any of that's making sense, but I, I guess things like that would sort of be 
part of the process also in our path. Well, the, the, the course is leading us to an experience and the experience is what matters. And that experience is, is in the course's words, the universal experience of peace, which every, every one of us has within us, but we haven't looked within us, so we haven't begun to experience, unless we have, that peace that passeth understanding. So it's simply a universal experience of peace. It's not a lot of different things that needs to be or wants to be experienced. Does that make sense? Um, Very much. I, yeah. I was kind of under the impression, you know, that peace is, I was in a Course of Miracles class once up in Nashville and the person that was leading it said it all kind of boiled down do you live in love or fear and what I'm hearing from you is that we have that core source of peace within but we're unable or haven't gotten in touch with that we're looking outward right um, correct so thank you Lynn yeah you're you're welcome thanks for joining us yeah, Kathy Jones? Yeah, there was something Melissa said so beautifully that reminded me that, you know, ultimately uh, the answer is within. That's where the real truth, when we're doubting, you know, all we have to do is go within where Jesus or Buddha, whoever it is that we uh, pray to, you know, that's where the real answer is. And then, too, you know, as Jesus gets along in the course, near, near closer to the end, and even in one of the lessons, he says, Forget this world, forget this course, and come with totally empty hands unto your God. So, you know, he's telling us right then, go within and ask. And then, you know, do what you would do. But thank you, Melissa, for bringing that up. And uh, I'm sorry that you were in grief today. Peace to you. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah, thanks. I was thank thinking you. one of the big what-ifs, oh. one of the original what-ifs is... Uh, you know, when Bill said to Helen, what if there's another way of doing this? I mean, they didn't know about the Course. They didn't, you know, I mean, Jesus who? I mean, but what if there's another way of doing it besides what we're doing? Because what we're doing ain't working at all. Yeah. That was the first big what if. Yeah. Yep. Write that one down, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Maya. Hi, Maya. Hi. I've got a question for you, Lynn. All, uh -oh. the, all the unconscious guilt that uh, is in my mind that comes bubbles to the surface and I experience it, you know, projected onto somebody else as guilt tripping me. Uh, <laughs> is that a form of arrogance? Is guilt, which is nothing, right, really, in truth, is that a form of ego arrogance, would you say? Let me make sure I got this right. For for you to feel you're being guilt-tripped? Well, basically my own unconscious guilt bubbling to the surface, which I projected onto my brother, and that's how I got in touch with it. Right. And think that he's guilt-tripping me, but I know that's not true. Okay? Right, right. So I, I know that there's this, you know, seeming deep reservoir of guilt 
that unconscious guilt that I'm holding that's keeping my ego alive and well, is that a form, would you call that a form of arrogance? Guilt. Yes, yes. I mean, guilt is a reflection of the arrogance of insisting we're something other than what we are. And that's arrogant to, you know, like he says, you're the light of the world. It is not humble to refuse to be the light of the world when that's the function God's given you. It's arrogant. So when we insist upon holding on to that, um, it's a form of holding on to arrogance. I, uh, uh, that's, so anyone else want to weigh in on this question? Does that help or does that, <laughs> what well, is that? It definitely helps. Um, Mike's before uh, uh, Myra or anybody else who wanted to comment on that, before you do, I just wanted to say that the way that uh, I think there's a, almost like a secret pleasure in me when I notice that I'm feeling guilty. It, it's like a false masquerading humility. What do you think? Is it, can anybody resonate with that? Yeah, I, I can see so where that could, that could be true. Like, oh, I'm so guilty. So therefore, I'm being so humble and admitting it. You know that there's a section, and I think we're going to go to it in a minute, uh, the little willingness in chapter 18, where he says, you know, you don't have to come to the Holy Spirit having um, uh, already dealt with the problem and, and forgiven it. You know, he says, you know, come with just the tiniest bit of willingness. He doesn't want any more than that. And, you know, God knows how much guilt you have buried and I have buried underneath this little sort of uh, head of guilt that we see now and then, you know, when we're acting petulantly and, and you know, in a snide way with our brother. And we think nobody knows, you know, and so because nobody can see it, we, we pretend we, we don't see it either. But, you know, it's there. You know, it's there, and God knows how much is under it. So, um, you know, bring it on, huh? <laughs> it's the only way we're going to get through it is to be open-minded about it, that it could, it could possibly be. But what if, I mean, he, Jesus calls it the gentle way. Walk you the gentle way. And what if, what if, we actually just see that it's nothing. What if it isn't some horrific thing with, you know, dragon heads and, and fire breathing? And, you know, I mean, there's this tendency to think that, oh my God, if I look on within and I see the guilt, I look at the guilt, I'll be struck blind. Isn't that a saying in the Course? Or Ken used to use it. We think if we look within, we'll be struck blind. But what if it's just a very gentle, you know, saying, oh, it's really not there. I mean, we can never find it. We can never find fear. We can never find guilt because it's not there to be seen. But we do have to go through the process of looking with the Holy Spirit who knows it isn't real or Jesus 
who know, they both know it isn't real. That's the whole point of why we don't ask them for help, <laughs> because if we ask for help and we look with the loving presence next to us, you know, that's what you were alluding to, uh, Maya, you were saying, I kind of like this, you know, storehouse, <laughs> instead of a storehouse of miracles, is the storehouse of grievances, you know, and Jesus will help us see they're nothing. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. Chris, did you have your hand up? Trick? Chris Trick? No. Okay. All right. And Lynn. Okay. All right. Lynn Altman. Yeah, I was just really seeing the um, how beautiful it is going through the fear of, of the guilty self that we've made ourselves into to see that it's made up. It's, it's the, that liberating message that we've made it up it's not real and we don't have to hang on to it. And, and the process is really looking at the pain of hanging on to it versus the freedom and the joy and the peace that comes each time we let go of a little bit of it. So, uh, you know, um, we come into the world thinking that everything is real and out to get us in one form or fashion and to discover that we are the generators <laughs> of what we see. No. So it's just amazing. And and forget all the time, but it's, it's, it's like each lesson, each paragraph, each sentence, each word is bringing me back to that place of being the one who is dreaming. And um, I don't know, I think that is the, each time I hear somebody talk in this group about how they're seeing that. It's so encouraging and enlivening to me. I know. I know. I know. We're all the beneficiaries, you know. I mean, the whole sonship is the beneficiary of every single time we see the falsity of the false, you know. And then he says, the truth is right there, right there, immediately, which is that joy that we feel. You know, that's the truth, the joy that we feel when we hear someone, oh, I looked upon that, and guess what? It wasn't there, <laughs> or it disappeared, dissolved. Yeah, thanks so much, Lynn. Yeah. All right. Let, one let's, of the uh, one of the best ways I've heard um, succinct, I think, <laughs> um, that I've heard arrogance described was at a twelve-step meeting. The guy was describing how he, that in any given moment, he thought he was the big S, you know, or he thought he was the little S. You know, like whether he thought he was the, the big doo-doo or the little doo-doo, it was all about doo-doo. It was all about guilt. <laughs> I mean, that's the arrogant, and like I think Maya was saying, guilt is arrogant. And as Lynn was saying, like like it's arrogant to think I can be a, a big doo-doo or it's arrogant to think I can be a little doo-doo. takes a while to realize that one, but yeah, they're all arrogant. They're all, they're all the same S. Loaded S. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. All right, let's let's go to uh, the little willingness. The little William willingness. It's on page three eighty. Boy, I haven't done this section in a long time, and it just seemed like the the right time to look at it. Let me just do a time check here. 
Lynn, you haven't been willing to do the section on willingness. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Thanks. All right, the little willingness. Uh, another thing I want to point out is, for me, I realized the connection between uh, humility, being truly humble, and holiness. Like, holiness is kind of a description, I think, of uh, humility, where we're no longer uh, asserting our unreal self. You know, that takes, as we were saying, a tremendous amount of work to be in a defensive posture. Truly, the defensive posture is against the Holy Spirit. I have a closed mind. I've decided already. I know what the situation is. I know what it should be. I know about my brother. I know about me. And I know, I know, I know. That is a huge... Um, thing to defend in every encounter. And can you imagine, I mean, it's dragging the corpse around. This is one way that I look at it. You know, we're dragging the corpse around and we're protecting and defending it. And, um, and if we're present, we feel how miserable that is, you know. But the mind isn't open at all. So you can't communicate, you know. All you can hear is a call for love. You can hear a call for love. Love or calls for love. That's all the Holy Spirit in us ever hears or feels. But the joy, and we all know it, when my mind is completely open and I'm with somebody who's also completely open-minded, they're not defending themselves against me or against the Holy Spirit. But we're both open-minded and we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, we're here. Teach us. How, how would you use this relationship? That's the holy relationship. It's given over to the Holy Spirit. How would you use this relationship? Show us. And it's only going to be joyful. As Jesus says, you don't want anything that you think you want to come of a relationship. Because <laughs> it's all ego-based. But the relationship that is given over to the Holy Spirit, you know, gets, gets, you know, really gets used for service. And that's, that's a joyful thing. So he's going to talk here in two different places in this chapter. Um, one is a little willingness, and I need do nothing. Another favorite is a few pages down the line in which he's saying almost the same identical thing. Do nothing, but... And then in a sense, he's saying, don't do anything else, but do nothing. <laughs> you know, and he talks about other ways of um, arriving uh, at a, a, a state of peace, you know, meditation, and, you know, he goes through those. But he says, your way is different. It's the relationship. All right, let's get on with it. The little willingness. Um, let's see, Maya read... Angela, would you read paragraph one, please, and make any comment if you want. You don't need to comment if you don't want to, but uh, you can. Uh, two would be Lisa, uh, Stephen, 
paragraph three, Vicky, paragraph four, Dave Dempsey, paragraph five, let's see, and six. I think we'll stop at six. And six would be Osmani. All right, so let's go, and anybody can comment as we go along. Wave your hand if you want to say something. Thanks. All right. All right. The little willingness. The holy instant is the result of your determination to be holy. It is the answer. The desire and the willingness to let it come precede its coming. You prepare your mind for it only to the extent of recognizing that you want it it above all else. It is not necessary that you do more. Indeed, it is necessary that you realize you cannot do more. Do not attempt to give the Holy Spirit what he does not ask for, or you will add the ego to him and confuse the two. He asks but little. It is he who adds the greatness and the might. He joins with you to make the holy instant far greater than you can understand. It is your realization that you need do so little that enables him to give so much. But I think that's just a really important point that he doesn't ask for more than that little willingness. I mean, is what you said earlier, Lynn. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point in our learning, that's all we're able to give. And I think we just have to uh, um, accept that and be peaceful with it. Yeah, yeah I remember on one video from Ken, he said, just give him a nod. Just give the Holy Spirit just a little nod. But just turn your head just a little bit in his direction. You know, that's it. <laughs> but have faith that he will answer. Have faith. <laughs> yes, Lisa. Should I read? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, trust not your good intentions. They are not enough, but trust implicitly your willingness, whatever else may enter. Concentrate only on this and be not disturbed that shadows surround it. That is why you came. If you could come without them, you would not need the holy instant. Come to it not in arrogance, assuming that you must achieve the state its coming brings with it. The miracle of the holy instant lies in your willingness to let it be what it is. And in your willingness for this lies also your acceptance of yourself as you were meant to be. I totally agree with this. I'm not sure I understand what that sentence, trust not your good intentions really entails, but I love the fact that you don't have to come to him with the problem already solved. I mean, you know, be not disturbed that shadows surround it. So you just be willing to give it to him and, right. you know, right. just right. the willingness. Yeah, he's, I think in that trust not your good intentions, you know, we always have an impulse to think we can help somehow. Right. Yeah. And that, that impulse to think that somehow I can help this 
uh, situation is is still a little hint of arrogance, isn't it? Yes. I, I know something here, and maybe I can, you know, add a little to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then also when I, I, I know that I'm bringing it to him, but still a part of me wants to like contribute, like try to bring the answer too. And it's actually so comforting to know that I don't have to have the answer. So. Yeah, there's a place, Lisa, where he says, uh, you're, you're, per you're personally insulted. Well, who's insulted? You know, the ego is insulted when it's not consulted. You didn't consult me? What? You know? Yeah. And notice he puts personally insulted. It's only yeah. the person that gets insulted. Yeah, great. Thanks. So little. So. Yeah. I can't get that image of dragging the corpse around. <laughs> and, and, and a little willingness is just to lay down the corpse for a second and have a different experience and then the trust not your good intentions i've got all these great intentions about the corpse that i'm dragging around <laughs> <laughs> i mean just ask me i'll tell you <laughs> what was that movie called something with benny where they were dragging the dead body around <laughs> making it look like it was still alive something oh god it was, that was good but that's what we're all doing is dragging that corpse around <laughs> we it it um, Tim, it's Weekend with Bernie. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's a classic. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I think, Bruce, didn't you have your hand up, Bruce Rawls? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention um, the phrase personally insulted fits perfectly, but the, the idea of transpersonally insulted is an oxymoron. <laughs> That, that, that wouldn't relate. And then I was thinking about what you're talking about is open-mindedness and how just noticing how I, I've prejudged and predetermined everything, you know, throughout the day and just kind of watching that. And then it reminded me of a song that uh, if anybody remembers the movie Once, um, Glenn Hansard and Arkita, uh, something, I, I forget, let's see, I looked it up real quick. It's uh, uh, Glenn Hansard and Marquita Irglova, they wrote the song after the movie came out called When Your Mind's Made Up. And I thought that's, that's a good double entendre because as egos, we made up that yeah. fragmented part of our mind. <laughs> but it also means we, we already go into a, any situation with, with our prejudices and our predispositions to everything. So anyway, thanks. It's, yeah, it's, we all know what it feels like when you're having a conversation with someone and you've already decided everything and you're <laughs> pretending like you're inviting them to participate, but you're not. You've decided everything and, and there you are, you know, you've, you've got it all outlined, you know what the problem is, you know what needs to happen, you know what's going to be done. No wonder it's not joyous. <laughs> And if we're honest, probably 99.9% .9 of the time, that's what we're doing, you know. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Hopefully here we're learning how to have dialogues with, with, with one another where we're both open-minded. And that's the joy when, you know, we can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us through our brother. And, you know, I, I always have a notepad with me when I'm with somebody because I know they're going to, if, if I'm willing to give the relationship to the Holy Spirit, I am going to start to see, feel things that are totally joyous uh, and um, pleasing. And what Jesus says, every encounter is maximally 
fulfilling when it's turned over to the Holy Spirit, maximally fulfilling. So, you know, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. When we remember. <laughs> okay, let's see uh, who's, uh, Stephen, you're on. Thank you. Humility oh, this is, what, this is one of my favorite paragraphs in the entire Course in Miracles. I've loved it from the very first moment I read it. Thanks, Stephen, for reading this. Yeah, God, God I hope you read it right, Stephen. Oh, my God. The pressure is on. <laughs> no, no. And now it's one of my favorite paragraphs also. Ah, Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Humility will never ask that you remain content with littleness, but it does require that you be not content with less than greatness that comes not of you. Your difficulty with the holy instant arises from your fixed conviction that you are not worthy of it. And what is this but the determination to be as you would make yourself? God did not create his dwelling place unworthy of him. And if you believe he cannot enter where he wills to be, you must be interfering with his will. You do not need the strength of willingness to come from you, but only from his will. Thank you. That's perfectly clear and perf perfect paragraph for me today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. Um, that line number four I wanted to comment on, um, but well, first, the one before, your difficulty with this is um, arising from your fixed conviction you're not worthy of it. So there must be um, guilt involved, right? If I'm not worthy, then there's guilt involved. And the next sentence is, and what is this but a determination to be as you would make yourself? So, you know, I take that to be, I'm holding up my defensiveness, my defensiveness of my identity as I've made it, as I've made myself. And so I must continue to defend it. If I don't, it will fall apart. <laughs> so um, I, I thought that was very telling. Anybody else have a comment on that? Okay. Now, number four is Vicki. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. The holy instant does not come from your little willingness alone. It is always the result of your small willingness combined with the unlimited power of God's will. You have been wrong in thinking that it is needful to prepare yourself for him. It is impossible to make arrogant preparations for holiness and not believe that it is up to you to establish the conditions for peace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's the letting go of attack thoughts. I mean, like, you can escape the world by giving up your attack thoughts. And I know when I'm not attacking and 
I can like slip back into the harmlessness of, of reality, the idea of being an idea in God's mind. So um, some some moments are much easier than others, but yeah, we don't have to do a damn thing. Mm-mm. Great. Yeah, our our, def- our defensiveness is an attack. Whenever we're defending, we're attacking. We're saying you're you're my victimizer, and you're the one taking my peace away. So, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and fi- finish that paragraph, Vicky? Oh, I thought that was it. Oh, you're right. There's another thought. Okay. God established them. They do not wait upon your willingness. Okay, so God established our conditions for peace. They do not wait upon your willingness for what they are. Your willingness is needed only to make it possible to teach you what they are. If you maintain you are unworthy of learning this, You are interfering with the lesson by believing that you must make the learner different. You did not make the learner, nor can you make him different. Would you first make a miracle yourself and then expect one to be made for you? (laughs) I'll help them and then God will do the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very good. Anyone else? Yeah, Lynn Altman. Yeah, I I was really struck with that um, that the willingness is needed to make it possible to teach me what the conditions for peace are, not for peace, not for effect, not for things out there, but the conditions in my mind that are necessary to experience peace. Right. Yes. Yeah. Great. Thanks for pointing that out. It's helpful. Anyone else? All right, Dave Dempsey. You merely ask the question, the answer is given. Seek not to answer, but merely to receive the answer as it is given. In preparing for the holy instant, do not attempt to make yourself holy to be ready to receive it. That is but to confuse your role with God's. Atonement cannot come to those who think that they must first atone, but only to those who offer it nothing more than simple willingness to make way for it. Purification is of God alone, and therefore, and therefore you, and therefore for you. Rather than seek to prepare yourself for him, try to think of this. I am host to God and worthy of him. He who established his dwelling place in me created it as he would have it be. It is not needful that I make it ready for him, but only that I do not interfere with his plan to restore to me my own awareness of my readiness, which is eternal. I need add nothing, I need add nothing to his plan, but to receive it, I must be willing not to substitute my own in place of it. Yeah, you know, it's just been ringing through me through this whole lesson that um, at the end of the final judgment, he's telling us um, our truth. That, and it's really quite as simple as that. And, and really, all as I have to do is look at everything that is not in alignment with that. 
my problem is, is I think I need to do something to change myself. And the only thing I really have to do is accept the truth. Right. And, and so it's, and I've been on quite a journey because I've been doing that a lot lately and ego does not like it at all. Um, and it's been a little bit of a rough road because it's, it's keeping that last paragraph in my mind that that is the truth. He's telling us that is the final judgment. You've got it all wrong. And each time I believe that I'm something other than that, um, I need to be looking at that uh, with Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, and it just comes back to the truth is true. And that is the truth. But, you know, when I start asking for help, I always think I need to add some answer to it. And, and that's what gets me in trouble every single time. And he tells us that in that very first paragraph is yeah. you can use your role. And it's very hard because I'm um, starting to see how attached to this self I think I am and how much I am afraid to let that go. And that each time that I hit one of these rocky, bumpy roads, um, it's just the fear of letting go. It's the fear of the belief that that truth in that last paragraph that God is telling us who we are that I struggle with and and I just have to be very gentle and say I'm just not ready yet Jesus help me you know um, and keep looking keep looking um, as much as I want to run the other way sometimes and say the hell with all this you know sure because um, this is too hard you know um, but yeah I just keep looking and, you know, each time I do that and sit with it, I can't find a reason for the fear. And that's a good thing. Right. And so it's just a little more acceptance, just like one little shaving, thin, thinner than a piece of paper, you know, shaving starts to come away with, with all that. So, yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking of it as the um, kind of in an abstract form. It's that I I want to remain the knower and the doer. The knower and the doer is really what I think I am. <laughs> well, I want to be in charge. I want to be. Yep. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's that bottom line and. It's just, it's the original thought all over again, every yeah. single time that I can do this on my own and I'll be better off. And I, it never leads to happiness. It never leads to peace. It never leads to joy. And, you know, when Stephen was saying earlier, you know, I've asked myself that question a lot lately, you know, what if the course is, but then I always ask, but what if it is? And that is always bigger because since I've been doing this, I've had a few experiences that I've never had before. Yeah. And so there must be something to it. Um, I just keep getting in the way of that feeling all the time. So yeah, and it's all about 
the fear, guilt, whatever, you know, that we keep, we keep talking about the, the guilt within us and the fear within us. And I don't want to see any of that. I don't see any of that. I have to dig it up. I mean, it's hidden really deep, you know, because um, I just want to gloss over it. Well, I don't have any fear. I don't have any guilt. I'm okay with, you know, well, yeah, I do, you know, so it, it's, a, it's definitely a journey for sure. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's um, glorious and other times it's pretty awful, Yeah. but you know, it, I don't know where I heard this. You can go through the pain of climbing all the way up the mountain and then back down, or you can just take the shortcut and the pain go right through the mountain. And so I like to think I'm just trying to take the shortcut pain of going through the mountain and get it over with, but I know it's a journey. You know, I always think, you know, reading the song of prayer, um, it's, it's so succinct to the development of trust. They're, they're the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. And I think I'm at the fifth stage when I really get down to it. I'm at that very first stage of the development of trust. I'm at the bottom ladder of the prayer. And I just so want to get to the other side that I, I don't want to do the work. But, you know, <laughs> when I get humble and see that I am exactly where I'm at, um, and then I'm okay with that, yeah. then I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's when I think I'm farther along than I am that the problems start to come in, you know? So I don't know. It's just crazy. I, I'm, I, I can't resist this temptation to throw a what if at you. <laughs> What if, what if you don't know where you are? You don't know, you know, you, well, you really, I don't. Because yeah. <laughs> because sometimes I am way in there in step five, and then sometimes I, it just depends on the day and where I'm at. And yeah. so I don't know where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess maybe that's the, uh, the scary part of it all because I want to be controlled and I'm not, and I don't know where I'm at. And, but that's okay. I'm just riding it. <laughs> It's so. great. It's great. Thanks, David. I appreciate you sharing that because I, I mean, you speak for all of us. <laughs> we all speak for all of us. <laughs> when when you said that, what if what if I don't know what stage I'm at? I'm like, yes, I do. I know what stage I'm at. Let me tell you why. <laughs> don't tell me I don't know what stage I'm at. Jesus says you don't know your successes, you don't know your failures, and all your attempts to decide which are successes and failures, they're probably exactly reversed or something like that, you know? So, yeah, and there's, uh, uh, you know, bottom line, there's only now, there's only now, yeah, and that's it, that's it, it's all here now. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Vicky, uh, Vicky was waving. Vicky. I was just remembering um, Judith Scotch always said she was in the SLG, the Slow Learners Group, and uh, and she is 90 years old, you know. So I kind of I kind of like to see myself there too. Yeah, yeah. It's okay as long as we're learners. I'm a slow learner too. It's been a long slog, but yeah, we're all learners, and we will remain learners as long as we're here as bodies. We will be learners. Jesus, um, in I think it's the learning chapter actually, Teaching for Truth, where he says, here in this world, learning is living. That's what makes this exciting, is for me anyway, 
is being here as a learner. You know, once, once I stop seeing learning as um, like a punishment, you know, that it, it was somehow pointing out my inadequacy or, you know, my failures, that learning was actually the, the highest possible um, uh, opportunity here in the world would be learning, you know, learning forgiveness. And so um, to be here as learners, I think that's, that's what gives it all the meaning, meaning that it has. All right, so we do need to wrap up here. Okay, let me see what's... Let's see, let's do... Uh... Let's see, Chris, Trig, do you have your book there? Can you read uh, paragraph six, please? And um, Lynn Altman read seven, and then I'll close out with the last. Uh, you know, you oh. ripped off Osmani. No. Yeah, six. Oh. <laughs> Look at her face. She was ready to cry. <laughs> you can take it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, I'm <laughs> All right, let me see again. So we've got Chris doing six. Who's doing? Lynn's doing seven. And Bruce doing eight. And then we'll close with the lesson today because it's so relevant to what we're talking about here. So, okay, uh, go, Chris. Okay. And that is all. <clears throat> Add more and you will merely take away the little that is asked. Remember you made guilt and that your plan for the escape from guilt has to bring atonement to it and make salvation fearful. And it is only fear that you will add if you prepare yourself for love. The preparation for the holy instant belongs to him who gives it. Release yourself to him whose function is release. Do not assume his function for him. Give him but what he asks, that you may learn how little is your part and how great is his. Well, do you have any comment, Chris? Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. You know, letting go and letting God and trusting that place and having experience of what that is. Um, I've been reading about the monkey mind lately and, you know, the judging mind, the fearful mind. Uh, I think we know when we're in it. <laughs> yep. Very familiar place. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. All right, Lynn. <laughs> it is this that makes the holy instant so easy and so natural. Hey, Lynn, we can't hear you. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah, okay, I don't know what happened. Sorry. It is this that makes the holy instant so easy and so natural. You make it difficult because you insist there must be more that you need to do. You find it difficult to accept the idea that you did so little receive so much and it is very hard for you to realize it is not personal insulting 
of your contribution and the Holy Spirits are so extremely disproportionate. You are still convinced that your understanding is a powerful contribution to the truth and makes it what it is. Yet we have emphasized that we need understand nothing. Salvation is easy just because it asks nothing you cannot give right now. And I just need to keep hearing these words and accepting the blessing of not having to do anything to get what it is that I really, really want. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. And Bruce. Okay. Forget not that it has been your decision to make everything that is natural and easy for you impossible. <laughs> if you believe the holy instant is difficult for you, it is because you have become the arbiter of what is possible and remain unwilling to give place to one who knows. The whole belief in orders of difficulty and miracles is centered on this. Everything God wills is not only possible, but has already happened. And that is why the past is gone. It never happened in reality. Only in your mind, which thought it did, is its undoing needful. Wow. That's so helpful. And so Woo! <laughs> Woo! I want to hear that again and again. <laughs> Comments, Bruce? Yeah, it's just, um, I just have to get, get out of the way, you know, that I, one of my favorite little visuals is imagining uh, Holy Spirit as a patrol uh, motorcycle cop and, and uh, pulling me over and saying, hey, you know, step away from that ego vehicle and no one will get hurt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, and we'll close with lesson 320. Um, again, these two lessons, you know, I came for the salvation of the world, uh, laying aside all, all of our arrogance, and uh, my Father gives all power unto me, is making it clear that there's no room for victims and victimizers here, unless we want there to be. But what if there were no victims and no victimizers? What if? All right. My father gives all power unto me. The Son of God is guilt, excuse me, the Son of God is limitless. There are no limits on his strength, his peace, his joy nor any attributes his father gave in his creation. What he wills with his creator and redeemer must be done. His holy will can never be denied because his father shines upon his mind and lays before it all the strength and love in earth and heaven. I am he to whom all this is given. I am he in whom the power of my Father's will abides. Your will can do all things in me and then extend to all the world as well through me. There is no limit on your will. And so, 
all power has been given to your son. Let's take a few minutes together just to marinate in that idea that we are not helpless victims of a world that isn't even there. Thank you, everyone. What if? What if? Do your favorite what ifs. You can mail them in if you choose. <laughs> and join the collection. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good rest of the day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.